Good morning, good morning, good morning. How are we doing? Good to see your smiling faces out there. I, uh, I just feel the Lord's hand upon me. It's funny, I'll, I'll get ready to minister and suddenly I just feel God's hand come on me. So if you have your Bibles, we're in Proverbs chapter 9. And uh, I'm in a series here called Fiat Lux, which is a Latin phrase that's from the book of Genesis, which means let there be light. And it's uh, sort of this idea of inspiration. So, you know, we have been studying uh, the wisdom of God. And you're going to need wisdom in this next year. That was really the word the Lord put on my heart in 2023, that I need wisdom this year. This is going to be a year that, that we need His wisdom. I need it. You need it. We need it. So I'd like to read Proverbs 9. I'd like to read verse 1, and then we're going to pray. It says that wisdom has built her house, and she has hewn out her seven pillars. Let's pray. Lord, I, I just... Thank you this morning for the word of the Lord. I pray, God, for impart the Lord, that we could help us grow in it, make it be a revelation, a spirit of wisdom in the house of the Lord, that we could build our lives walking with you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. So, um, you know, I, I have finished that remodel on my house that I have been working about. You've heard me talk about it. And I, I think we got like one more fix on the door to do. And it just got me thinking about homes. So, you know, I'm, I'm always keeping my eye open, always looking and, and learning about, you know, how the process works. And what I have discovered, as most of you probably know, is the foundation of a home is like the most crucial part. And, you know, you've got places here in, in the area where, especially along the rim, some of those foundations, they get shifting and they get soils that, that move on them and, and, and they might require a fix. And I remember when I was a teenager, I was hired by our neighbors because they were remodeling out there, and, and they were taking everything apart. They hired me to lay tar on the outside of the foundation. It sort of serves as like a, a water barrier to keep water out. So I remember I was doing that job, and the best part about it when they hired me was that I got to skip church. <laughs> I told my dad I have a deadline to get done here. So I, I, if you're a teenager back there in the youth group, we're glad that you're in the house of the Lord, not skipping out. Yeah. I'm sure grateful my mom had the wisdom to pray for me, because that's why I stand before you today. God got a hold of my heart. <laughs> you know, this is such an interesting verse. Uh, Proverbs 9, and verse 1, that wisdom built her house, and it's hewn out seven pillars. Now, I had a friend call me. He said, what are the seven pillars of wisdom? And so, you know, I, I was just, you know, looking at it. I've, I've kind of thought that th same thing before, but the Bible doesn't explicitly say what the seven pillars of wisdom are. And it's just considered like a figurative idea or sort of a linguistic idiom that the writer used to describe perfection or completion. And so I was kind of studying, you know, theories on the seven pillars of wisdom. One guy thought it had to do with the planets or seven days of creation. One interesting commentator I read said it had to do with the seven words used in the book of Proverbs. Like uh, there are seven words that are, that are mentioned, and they're, and they're like, you know, wisdom, understanding, learning, hearing, listening, applying, knowledge. Uh, those words could be the seven pillars of wisdom. So what wisdom, what, what pillars are, as you know, are, are foundational things upon which something is built. It, it's, it's the foundation. So I have a thought that I'm just going to walk through with you, and I'd like you to go with me to the book of 1 Kings chapter 3. And what I want to highlight for you is just these seven pillars of wisdom. Uh, you know, Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs, and he wrote, 
he's, he's mentioned a lot here in 1 Kings chapter 3, so I thought it would be wise to look at his life. Seven pillars of wisdom, seven foundational things that take place. Now, I was driving down here on my way to church. I drive by Shiloh, and I am very, very happy to see them build a brand new Costco. It's going to be bigger. You, you know how amazing about having a Costco in the winter. It's like a lake out there. And I felt bad, those poor people in the Heights complaining about having a Costco in the West End, but I didn't complain about that. I was like, praise the Lord. Now, my friend Ron told me that they're working all this time to get the pilings built, to get foundations up. And once they get the foundations of that place set, it's 90 days to build that mamu of a building. It goes up quick once the foundation is set. So foundations, pillars, these, things, these are so crucial. And what I want to highlight are just seven pillars of what wisdom could be in your life. And I'm going to work our way through here, here the story of Solomon in 1 Kings. You know, Solomon is actually having an encounter with God in the middle of the night. He's having a dream. God came to him and he just said, ask me what you want and I'll give it to you. What an incredible thought. Just ask me. And in verse 9, Solomon says this. He said, give your servant an understanding heart to judge people, that, that I may discern between good and evil. For he said, who's able to judge this great people of yours? The first thing that I see here about wisdom would have to do with the heart of wisdom. Solomon's asking for you know, a, a heart of understanding, a heart that is discerning. It, it's just, you know, he's just saying, Lord, if, if you ask it, I'll give you my heart. You know, wisdom requires a heart that is able to perceive truth, to perceive it. Now, my experience when it has to do with discernment, understanding, and perception is that you have to have a heart that is humble. A humble heart uh, is a heart that can discern things. And it, it takes humility in your life to be able to discern between right and wrong, between good and evil. You have to have a heart that is soft and not hardened by sin. It's a heart that's bent towards the Lord, an understanding and a discerning heart. Solomon is just saying, Lord, give me a heart that can see truth. It's, you know, it's that heart that you have that you know, can see someone else's point of view. And that requires a certain level of empathy. You have to have an empathetic heart to see that. People who have humility in their heart are able to not just see other people's point of view, maybe they can see, be a little self-reflective and see some flaws in their own life. That, that's what an understanding and discerning heart could be. That's where wisdom could be. Recognizing that maybe there's some issues in your own life. That could be closely associated with the fear of the Lord, where wisdom begins. I'm amazed when people aren't able to fully see some of the problems and flaws in their own life. It's an incredible thing, man. You get with some people totally oblivious and clueless about maybe some things that they have issues with in their own life. But if, if you want to have a heart that sees truth, man, you've got to have a heart rooted in humility, in the fear of the Lord, in understanding, in discernment. And, and Solomon prayed that. He had a heart open to the things of God. You know, God loves humility because God hates pride. If, that is one of the worst things in God's eyes. He says that over and over again. And if you really are honest with yourself, if you'll look at maybe some of the mistakes that you have made, there's a good chance that those mistakes might be rooted in pride. That could be the reason why men refuse to look at maps before they travel somewhere. 
that want to look on their cell phone to find the right location because they have pride about what they're doing. They, they think, I got this. And, and so when you look at maybe mistakes that you made with your finances, with relationships, I wouldn't be surprised to find pride at the very center of it. Okay, you see, a, a humble heart, an understanding heart is a heart that has an easy time just receiving from the Lord. It, it, when, when your heart is open to Him, it's easy to receive. Think about what God did. He came to Solomon. He said, ask me, I'll give it to you freely. He gave Solomon wisdom. He'll give you wisdom. He'll give you everything that you need. And by the way, Solomon needed all the wisdom he could get. Because if you read out this chapter, you're going to find a crazy story about a woman who had a baby. Two women had children. They were apparently roommates. And in the middle of the night, one of the women rolled over the baby. You probably read the story here, 1 Kings chapter 3. And so they tried to figure out which mother of the babies, you know, was her child that was living. And it went to lower courts, it got to appellate courts, and finally it made its way to the Supreme Court, which in Bible days was Solomon. And, and so he's trying to figure out, you know, exactly what is taking place. In verse 24, I want to pick it up in verse 24, you know, he's, he's saying, man, one says this, one, one says this is her son, but in verse 24, the king said, bring me a sword. And it says, they brought a sword before the king, and the king said, divide the child in two and give half to one and half to the other. Such an incredible thought. And verse 26 says, The woman whose son was living spoke to the king because she yearned with compassion. No, keep that child alive. And that is exactly how Solomon knew who the baby belonged to. In verse 27, he said, The king answered, Give the first woman the living child and by no means kill him. She's the mother. You know what Solomon had that just blew everyone with the word of the ruling of the king. They so respected it. He is a second pillar of wisdom that I would identify as the word of wisdom. Solomon had this word in his mouth because he's got a situation on his hands, and yet he knew exactly what to do. You know, the, the, the word of wisdom is actually, as we said last week, one of the gifts of the Spirit mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And it has to do with not just seeing something in the future, but knowing what to do about it. There's an anticipation. See, God's wisdom can display in that moment where you know what the consequences will be and what to do in a situation. It's, it's this foresight that King Solomon had. You know, wisdom, I like to say, is a problem-solving skill. And, man, with the help of the Holy Spirit, you can solve any problem. I mean, not, nothing is too big for him. He's got wisdom in all areas of life. This is really a, a part of leadership. When, when you're able to solve problems, it means you are leadership orientated in situations. I'm trying to teach this to my child, my son, you know, because he wanted a, a box to play with because kids like boxes to like make cars and build homes with. I don't know what all they want to do with them, but we went in the garage. He was looking for a box. And so we were looking and he said, dad, we're problem solving. <laughs> I said, yeah. So we took the contents out of one box and put them into another box. <laughs> and he had his box to play with. We solved that problem. Yeah, it, you know, uh, the word of wisdom, you, when you need a word in a moment, what are you going to do? I, I think about King Solomon here. Now, he's wiser than me. So either he knew the case going into that situation or he acted on his feet. It, for me, when I need to, a word of wisdom, I got to slow down. I don't know about you all, but sometimes I'm way too much in a hurry. And I find a lot of mistakes are made when I'm hurrying through something. So I'll just take a moment just, just to stop, think about it, assess the situation. That's what I like to do. I get in trouble when I'm in a hurry. And then I ask the Lord, 
I mean, that's really all you got to do when it comes to wisdom. Ask God for a solution. This is what people in the Bible did that had to go into battle, like Joshua or King David. They, they just said, Lord, what should I do in this situation? They asked God. And, and when you ask him, man, you ask and you will receive. And, and, and he, he might give you a word. He'll give, and you know, by the way, that one word that you have from him could change your direction, could change your destiny, could change your life. All it takes is a word. This is what, you know, uh, Daniel did. Remember, he, he was uh, a political advisor in Babylon, and the king was killing wise men. And he said, give your servant some time that I might go pray and seek the Lord. And God answered him with a word. He got one word from the Lord, and it changed the course of the Jewish people. Just, just that word that he got. And that's, that's what it takes. It's just a word that you might hear from the Lord. You know, I, I tell you, I'm, I'm asking the Lord for wisdom all the time because there are real political problems in our country that require some serious problem solving. Can I get a witness? Yeah. So I got a phone call uh, from the Family Research Council. That's Tony Perkins' organization in Washington, D.C. They were looking for two pastors from every state, and they're just trying to you know, work with politicians. And so my name got thrown in the ring. I get to go. A similar request to be a liaison. Christians United for Israel, Kufi, who I've traveled to Israel with, called me with a similar request to be a liaison uh, into the federal government there. So I'm just praying for wisdom. If you just pray with me about that, I feel like the Lord could give me a platform to speak influence into their life. And to do that, you better have a word from the Lord. Yeah. Better know what to say. So I could really use your prayers with that because I want to have something to speak to those jokers. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Pillar number three. Look at verse number four. King Solomon was king over all Israel. And watch this. These were his officials. He's going to start mentioning some of these guys' names. Azariah, Zedek, the priest. Uh, what they were were his team. If you want wisdom, you need to have a team of wisdom. He, he mentions some of these names here. Scribes, recorders, generals. In verse seven, it says that Solomon had 12 governors all over Israel, who provided food for each king, or for, yeah, for the king and, and households. And what, what he had here was a cabinet, a team, governing officials. And this team was well-ordered. I mean, they were put together in, in a great way. He's got a balanced team. I mean, he, he's got uh, men that were scribes. Those are lawyers. He's got people who were uh, generals. He had priests. We could say he got spiritual advisors. Uh, he's got administrators. He even had a friend. I like that. He had a guy that he knew well. You know, if you walk with the wise, Proverbs 13 says, you will be wise. You can look at someone's team. You can look at their associations in life and discern whether or not they have wisdom or not. You know that? Because if, if your team is disheveled, frumpy, hadn't showered, and, and drunk, they might not be the best people with you. You know, and you, you can always just see if a person's got the right associations if they're walking in wisdom. You know, it's a great thing about getting old like I'm getting old. You can identify jokers a whole lot easier. Yeah. Like when you're young, you don't understand or see that people are clowns. But as you get older, you start saying, aha, that is not a good association. My mom used to tell me this in high school. She'd say, those people are not good for you. And I'd say, what are you talking about? And now through the magic of Facebook, I find out she was right. I think, oh, I can tell why she was on that one. <laughs> you better have a team. You, you need the right people around you. Who are the smartest people you know? Can you think of three people that are more successful than you, that know more than you, and get some mentoring, some ideas, some perspectives from them? Because that can be a game changer. 
Man, if you've got a team around you, you can glean from, you can learn from, you can listen to, man, it can go a long way in your life. You're only as good as the people around you. That's, that's what I'm watching when I watch the NFL playoffs later today. They're only as good as the people that are around. That's how teams work, man. And, and man, you need to have teams in your life. I find a lot of people don't have teams. They don't have advisors. They don't have the right advice. They don't have the right people to listen to. But, and so he's a team of people. Solomon's team made him wise. He's the wisest man. And so he surrounded himself with other wise people, and it exponentially increased the wisdom he had around him. And you got to have that team. You know, it's that time of year when we kick off like, you know, small group events for women's ministry and, and Senior Connect. We pulled that out a couple weeks ago. I'm, I'm, we're doing uh, Vindicated Men's Breakfast on Tuesday morning at 6.30. It would do your husband well to get him to that group so that we can put him in a headlock and give him some advice. <laughs> Man, you, but you need to be in a team. Think about churches that are growing have teams, worship teams. I'm grateful for the worship team that we have. They have sound booth teams. They got teams of greeters. They got kids worker teams, which is the hardest team to be on. You got to be an all-star for that one. Yeah. We need your help with that one. That one's influencing the future, man. All kinds of teams. And if you get in a team, if you get the right people around you, the right relationships in your life, your wisdom will come. So there's wisdom in having people around you, advisors and people to talk to. The, the, the team of wisdom, that's what Solomon had. Now, number four, verse number 20. It tells us that Judah and all Israel were as numerous as the sand by the sea in multitude. That's a fulfillment of what God had spoke to Abraham. It's like Israel's reaching, reaping, or reaching its peak and its pinnacle in God's plan. They were eating and drinking and rejoicing. And what this verse really speaks to me about is the blessing of wisdom. It's referring to this uh, financial or economic aspect of the kingdom. I mean, Solomon had prosperous days. You know, the, the Bible says in Psalm 33, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And as I look at America throughout history, man, we have lived in a blessed land, a, a land that's, you know, prosperous. There's so much. I mean, it, it reminds me of what Solomon had here. His provision, it tells us in these verses, fatted oxen from the pastures, sheep, gazelles, roebucks, Fatted owls, later it's going to say there's no lack in their supply. And, and I don't know if they had a Costco in those days, but it looks like they had plenty for everything they need. Right. And, and here in America, man, we have been so blessed. But if I look at the national debt load, I mean, they are trillions and trillions in debt. And it concerns me. It's becoming you know, a, a national security issue. And it's like, man, if we're going to have the blessing of God in our land, we need people with wisdom. We need leaders with wisdom. We need leaders who honor God. Solomon had that. He had the blessing of wisdom because that's what wisdom will bring into your life. It'll bring the blessing of God. You know, the, the context here would have to do with the ability to wisely manage money. And apparently Solomon had that ability. I want to give Pastor Daniel a shout out. I don't know if he's in here or not. But boy, he is, he's got a great ability to administrate finances, take care of things. I'm so grateful for his ideas and his influence. And, and man, it is, it is incredible to see. I do know that in, in wise administration can take you somewhere in life if you're wise with it. Now, I do know that inflation has hit people hard in 2022, and it's trickling off, but they say 2023 is probably going to be a difficult year going into recession. But I have news for you. You don't have a money problem. 
See how quiet it got here? What you have is a stewardship problem. Because the problem is not that God doesn't provide. The problem is often that we get wasteful. And you end up going down to Costco and buying gazelles that are stuffed, whatever it is you're buying. <laughs> it's funny, man. When they gave out free money to people, it gets easy to spend it, doesn't it? And then you get in the habit of spending, and when they close that off, and you wonder how you got the credit card racked up, it's a lack of wisdom in finances. I know that happened because it's happened to people all over the place. I mean, it's easy to get in that habit. Elizabeth and I had to hit the brakes. you got to learn how to handle these things wisely. Handling money is for wise people. The wise management of money is so important. And I'm sure grateful, you know, that we have learned at church that there's three things that we, we try to organize, man. We, we try to have compliance with the government. Otherwise, you could find, you know, uh, classified information in your garage next to your Corvette. <laughs> so you want to have compliance with the government. You, you want to be a, a steward. And you want to be generous as a church. That's what it means to be a good administrator of funds, that you're in compliance with the law, you can steward it, and you can be generous with people. And, and I'm just telling you, in this next year, I believe that God can bless his people in spite of difficult days. I mean, he got us through last year, he'll get us through next year, the years to come, and he can even bless you in times of famine when, when the blessing of God is in operation, when it's in effect, when there's wisdom, management, generosity, God can see you through some of the most difficult times because that's what he's good at. He's supernatural with it. The blessing of the Lord is a supernatural thing. It, it, it just kind of makes its way for you. You don't understand how it works, but God has this way of blessing his people. So there's a blessing that comes with wisdom, and that is what Solomon experienced. Now look at verse number 24. It said that he had dominion over all the region, from this side of the river of Tishba, even to Gaza, that's down by Egypt. Uh, he, he said, over all the kings on this side of the river, and look what it says, that he had peace on every side all around him. Judah and Israel dwelt, each man under his vine and his fig tree. That, that's describing the peace and the prosperity of the kingdom. Let's talk about a fifth pillar of wisdom, which would have to do with the peace of wisdom, the tranquility. We're talking here about the absence of wars, the absence of trouble. They, they had the peace of God really operating. And I'm telling you, when you're walking in wisdom, one of the byproducts is the peace of God in your life. Does you know that? I mean, everyone is in search of peace, but peace comes from one source, the Prince of Peace, the Lord Jesus himself, man. That's where peace comes from. Now, I like what 1 Corinthians 14 says. God is not the author of confusion. He's the author of peace. He puts peace together in your life. He's not a confused God. So I have Jesus in my life. He gets first play. I get to walk in supernatural peace. But I'll tell you, when I really start feeling peace is when I have things organized around me. You know, when, when there's order, organization, administration, that's what Solomon had. And, and you know, I'm always amazed because people will come to me and they'll say, man, you know, I just, I just don't feel like I've got peace. And I, I can go over to your home and look in your garage and find out that it's a mess. That would get me stressed out too. You know, I'm one of these people, I like to have things orderly. I can't even start projects unless I've got some things lined up and orderly where I can start seeing what to do next. And, and, and peace comes that way. You know, there's a great verse in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 
that there is a time of war and there's a time of peace. And sometimes you got to win some battles before you get some peace, which means that you might have to declare war in your garage. You might have to declare war in that closet of yours and get some shoes thrown out. Uh, declare war on the budget book and figure out where everything went, how to get it put back together. And Jesus has won the battle, hadn't he? So with his help, man, you can get some organization, some order in your life. I'm always amazed when people try to come and, you know, maybe, you know, prophesy over me, declare something, and their whole personal life is a total mess. Hard to hear from that. I'm just telling you, I, I watch it. Without order and organization, it just seems like people have no peace. I was preaching from the book of Thessalonians one time. It said you should live an orderly life. One guy told me he felt convicted by that. That's what the scripture says. Have order in your life. That will lead to peace. And it's amazing when, when people, it's like they have no peace because there's no order. Everything's a mess all around them. Can't find you know, anything in the kitchen to cook with. If you get some order around you, get some wisdom in your life, you'll find the peace of God will come. That's what Solomon's walking in. He had everything ordered, administrates wisdom, get some order. Order of God brings the peace of God because it's rooted in the wisdom of God. And if you want God's wisdom, get some order around you. Yeah. That, that's that's the, the left brain, right? The orderly side. Now I get to talk about the right side of the brain. A set, uh, here, here's a sixth pillar of wisdom. Look at verse 29. God gave Solomon wisdom and exceedingly great understanding. I like it. He gave him largeness of heart, like the sand of the seashore. He gave him great capacity in his heart. Jump down to verse 32. This dude spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. That's amazing, because you know I can't even clap on beat. He wrote 1,000 songs, and it says he spoke of trees from the cedar tree and the hyssop springs out of the wall, and of animals and of birds, fishing things, and the dude loved to go fishing. You know what this speaks to me about is the creativity of wisdom, the, the imagination of your ideas. And the most creative people in the Bible is probably King Solomon and a man named Bezaliel in Exodus 31. He's the guy that helped design the tabernacle. He had a unique creative ability. Here you got Solomon. And he's, he's got this incredible balance. He's the wisest man who lived. And, and he's got order, and, and he's got creativity. This guy's so creative. 3,000 proverbs, 1,000 songs, a zoologist, a biologist, an ornithologist. I mean, Solomon's got incredible perspectives in things. This, this balance is incredible. It's a problem-solving skill. That's what creativity is. Creativity is the ability to think outside the box and if you've got creative insight, it means that you also have to have the confidence and the ability to try to implement something new in life. You, you can't be just afraid and sit back. Creativity is willing to suggest new things and look at different things. And Man, cr creativity is great. Now, some people just have a natural creative ability, and I can't fully explain. And a lot of times, the most creative people actually are women. They, they say on average that women tend to be more creative than men. They operate out of the right-hand side of the brain, which is the creative side. M men are left brain, the more practical side, the orderly side. And at birth, they say that a hormone shower comes over a, a, a brain, and, and women get more of the right-hand side stimulation. That's where creativity comes from. Because some of the women that I've worked with here at church are some of the most creative people. Like, like my friend Ari, the girl without the sh shoes, very creative. <laughs> so she's got no problem coming up with ideas. 
I think that about Linda. Linda's got ideas. You know, I, I, I've got order, all right? That's why when you come to my home at Christmas, we would be happy with a wreath because that's orderly. But when Elizabeth is decorating, we've got snow globes, Christmas presents, Christmas trees, ornaments outside, sleds on the inside of the house, Christmas village. I mean, the list goes on. That's the creative side. So it, it's natural in some ways to people, but there can be a supernatural aspect of creativity. I remember one Sunday morning, I was just praying. I had a problem. I said, Lord, I need help with this. And he gave me some person that I didn't even think about. He said, ask if they would do this, and it solved so many problems. That's totally outside the box. Hadn't been in my thought, but it's creativity. And if you can get that working together, man, you can, do, you can have a lot of wisdom in your life. The creative genius of God is available to you naturally and supernaturally. Now, pillar number seven, look at verse 34. He said, men of all nations, and it's going to tell us in these previous verses that it was the Egyptians. Those are the guys that built the pyramids. I mean, they had to have trigonometry. That's a lot of, a lot of wisdom to get those built. They still don't know how they built the pyramids. And, and people from Iran, that's where the wise men from Daniel's day came, astronomers looking in the sky. And, and, and the queen of Sheba, it said, the kings of the earth who heard of his wisdom came to hear of the wisdom of Solomon. And what this speaks to me about is the promotion of wisdom. Promotion is when you're making progress. It's when God takes you from a lower place to a higher place. And you know, Proverbs 4.8 says that if you promote wisdom, she will promote you. I really believe that this you know, last pillar here is like all of the pillars coming together. The seventh pillar is the result of all these pillars of wisdom working together. Now, how many of you would like a promotion in this next year. I mean, I, I want to be promoted. I, I really feel in my heart like God is promoting, about to promote us at a higher level all the time as a church. Every day of my, why my life, I wake up with that expectation of God blessing his promotion and his increase. And I believe he wants to do that in your life as well. I believe that where you are today is it, just the tip of the iceberg of what your potential could be and, and how God wants to promote you. And his blessing, his promotion, his hand upon you. It's a real thing. He wants to take you to a higher level. Promotion, the Bible says, comes from the Lord. Psalm 75, 6. It says it didn't come from the west or the south or the east. It says God is the one who promotes people. How are you going to get promoted? How are you going to go from a lower place to a higher place? It's pretty easy in the Bible when you read it. It tells us that when you're faithful in the little things, God will make you the ruler over many things. It's that consistency on a small level of having good habits when you do the little things over and over. I read a great book by a man named James Clear. It was called The, the Atomic Habits. Anyone ever heard of that book, Atomic Habits? And he mentions just this rule of like 1%. I like to harass some people and tell them it's the Tom Brady rule because he tries to get better at 1% every day. And I'm pretty sure he's going to beat the Cowboys next Monday night. <laughs> if you just get better little bit, little by little, every day, and you're consistent, it's going to lead to an exponential curve. That one little bit that you feel like isn't getting anywhere at some point will accelerate higher. That's being faithful. He was faithful. The Bible calls that an excellent spirit. That's what Joseph had. He had an excellent spirit where he was faithful in little things, and God blessed him, and God promoted him. That happened to King David. That happened to Daniel the prophet. An excellent spirit. And if you've got this working together, if you have excellence, if you'll stay committed, if you'll stay consistent, you'll watch as God takes you from the outhouse all the way up to the White House. 
He likes to take people from the ash heap and raise them up. That's what God does. That's his plan. That's how he works in your life. He wants to bless his people. He's building a house. That's what wisdom does. It builds a house. And he wants to bless you in that house. It just takes time to get that foundation built. That's like the most important thing. If you can get the foundation built, you can build the house. These are just some principles and pillars of wisdom. Now, maybe the house that you're building, maybe it's got a crack in its foundation. I mean, I think about homes that I've seen that get built. And it's like there's places where that foundation isn't fully intact. And I see it in people's lives. Uh, Maybe that crack has to do with the fact that you got to increase the capacity of your heart. You know that your heart is too small for the kingdom of God itself. And Solomon, he had this largeness of heart. He asked for an understanding heart. And I find people, their capacity is limited because they're not willing to get some things out of it. Their heart is consumed by selfishness, by pride, by ambition, by things they're looking for, rather than wisdom, discernment, and humility that just says, Lord, I'm open to you. So if you want the wisdom of God in your life, if you want to be able to build, the first place you've got to start is increasing a heart's capacity. That comes from spending time in the scriptures. Get alone with God. And like with Solomon, he will increase the capacity of your heart. It's, it's a discerning heart. You know what's amazing about King Solomon? Is that by the time he ended his life, like he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes and he could identify areas where he'd missed it, things that he'd done wrong, the vanity he chased because he could see truth in situations. He could look into his heart. He could realize where he'd missed it. That, that, that's, that's a discerning heart. Maybe you got to seek the Lord for a word from him. People don't know how to do that. They don't know how to just get along with God and ask him to solve a problem. And you get one word from the Lord, one little thing, and I'm telling you, it can plant a seed that can grow so much. I've often asked the Lord, help me solve this problem. And he didn't always answer right away. I had to seek him sometimes. I had to go after him. But if, if you can hear from him, if you can get a word like Solomon had in that situation, man, he can solve problems with your children, with your money, with your job. Just one word that you get from him, it can take you places. It's an incredible thing. You know, I think about how a lot of times people don't have the reasons. You, that, that is the difference between success and failure in a lot of cases. You've got to have the right people the right voices, and it means you also have to have the discernment to shut off the wrong voices. Do you know how many people listen to wrong voices? They get wrong associations, wrong perspectives, and what happens? They start sliding away. They start drifting. And, and you got to be wise about who you allow to be on your team. You're going to have to be careful with that. It will bring wisdom into your life. You know, there's a great verse, 1 Corinthians 15, 33, evil company corrupts bad habits. If you have good habits, but the wrong people, it can take you down. That's wisdom. And you got to have the right team. And I don't know, maybe you lack having that team around you. I don't know who that could be for, but you need to have the right people. If you will get some order and you will get creative, you will get promoted. And I, I, I watch that. You get some order, you get some creativity. Watch what God can do in your life. Watch where he'll take you. So I'm spending all this month just teaching on the wisdom of God because I need it, you need it. How many of you would like more of his wisdom in your life? How many want to build a house that's much bigger? Much, much bigger. 
Let's just thank the Lord. Father, we come before you. I pray the wisdom of God over this people. And we are not going to stop until you've answered us. I pray for the hearts of people to increase, not to grow cold. I pray that they would get large. I pray, Lord, for your humility in our lives. Correction, we want to hear it. We want to be wise. We receive correction when it's, when it's needed. We're open to it. Father, I just thank you for the right team around people. Right associations. God, I pray that we have the strength, the wisdom, and the discernment to identify good from evil in people. And I pray for tact and the ability to exit wrong relationships. And I pray, God, you'd lead us into the right relationships. God, I, I pray that. I pray you put the right people in our lives. There's something supernatural about that. I receive supernatural relationship with people, good God connections, in the, free of drama. I pray no drama in your relationships this year. In Jesus' name, I pray order, creativity, the wisdom of God. That's a funny thing. I just felt God's wisdom just kind of sit in here like a blanket. Mm. Mm. Maybe there's some ideas, some thoughts. He's whispering to you right now. You're going to go to bed tonight. You're going to wake up in the morning with an answer. I feel like there's people who've got problems they're trying to figure out. This is a year for God to give you wisdom to know what to do. Mm-hmm. And I feel the spirit of wisdom in the house of the Lord. Yeah. Just listen for his voice. He'll get you there. We receive that in Jesus' name. And I want to encourage you to just keep seeking him. Don't, don't give up. You know, I, I like what Jesus said in Matthew 7. The wise man built his house on the rock, right? He built his house on that rock. Because the storms of life do come. And if the house is not built on the rock, what happens? It gets washed away. It's the storm of death. Storms. Everyone is going to face storms. And one storm that's inevitable for people is the storm of death. You know, I just did a funeral for a, a man yesterday, and it was heartbreaking. But that's what happens to people. Like, death is a reality in life. And if that, if that house is not built the right way, when the storm comes, it could be trouble. I was reading about uh, Ethiopian Airline Flight 961. I'd forgotten all about this. This is in 1996. And a, a group of hijackers took that plane. They were trying to get asylum in Australia. They hijacked the plane. And they just kind of kept the pilot going at a high speed. And he ran out of fuel somewhere over the Indian Ocean near some islands. And he told them, I need to ditch the plane on the islands because we're out of fuel. And they wouldn't let him. And so he was just circling. And finally, they, they ran out of gas. And the pilot started the plane descending. The, the hijackers came in to see what the problem was. He said, he got on the loudspeaker. He said, we're out of gas and we're going to have to crash this plane in the ocean. The engine just went out. And the last thing he said is, you can do the hijackers as you want. Because <laughs> the plane was going down. And, you know, a few people survived when that happened. I think 12 people in the plane survived. Now, they, they told the story about it. This hi- the survivors said that the hijackers who had been ruthless and kept them there, when they announced that the plane was going to crash, they said, you know what people started doing? People started soiling themselves because they were going to die. Everyone was freaking out. It was pandemonium. And the smell of urine stunk up the whole cabin because people were faced with death. I haven't been in that situation. I have been on a plane where the turbulent hits you, right? You ever had that? And I had that moment where I'm like, if we're going down, what am I going to do? I'm going to get up and tell everybody about Jesus. Because <laughs> I have a house that's built on the rock. Yeah. I'm just telling you, when the storms come, you better have a house that's found on the right place. 
And if you haven't built your house on the rock, I want to give you a chance this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Who can say, I, my house is not built on that rock, and if the storm came, I don't know how I handle that. Or can you say, I'm right with the Lord, and this house is built on a rock that's going to stand up. And if you can't say that, I just want to have you pray with you. I want to pray for Jesus to come into your heart. You know that rock is the rock of revelation on who he is. That he'll see you through anything. Jesus will be with you. Highs and lows and valleys. Troubling times. Amen. Amen. Let's stand up this morning. All right, Father, I just thank you today. Wisdom of God is in this place. Wisdom of God for the people of God. We are so grateful, Lord, to be here. And I just thank you for seeing us through this next year in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Now, if you want prayer for something, the altars are open. We'd love to pray for you. I, I feel like that it's an easy atmosphere to hear from the Lord if you've got problems. So we love you very much. We will catch you all next week. Don't forget, we got Wednesday night down here with the youth group having a great time with that. And I, I want you to know we love you. We'll catch you all next week. Invite someone out to church. And if I could get my friend Ethan, if he's back over there. Where's that tall teenage boy? Is he still here? I'd like to talk to him. All right, we love you all. We'll catch you next week.